Well, friends, our scripture lesson today is taken from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 11, verses 2 through 11. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Well, you know, um, I've been in ministry now 15 years, and I've had an opportunity to do dozens and dozens of weddings. And I will tell you that it's almost universal among myself and my colleagues that we would rather do funerals than weddings. (laughs) Okay, and if you think about it, it's because of this. It's like, you know, a funeral, it's a really sad occasion, but you also, because of that, it's hard to mess it up, all right? People are sad, and you you do what you can to try and lift people out of that sadness, and and sometimes you can lift them a little of the way up if sometimes you're fortunate and and somehow things are going well, and you lift them a little further out of that sadness into into the hope of the resurrection, Weddings, you can only go down, (laughs) right? Because because weddings, you you know, they have a vision. They have a vision for what that day is going to be like, all right? And they've been thinking about it for a long time. I remember a wedding planner one time actually asking me how long my wedding sermon was going to be and sent me a spreadsheet with times down to the minute of when everything was going to happen in the ceremony. It was like wedding begins at 4, sermon begins at 4.14. Sermon, you know, and I'm just looking at this and I'm laughing. I'm laughing hysterically because you know this isn't going to happen. Okay? And in fact, at that particular wedding, the limo took the bride to the wrong church. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) all right, you knew it, you just knew it, okay? And so you you have that pressure of expectations, you have that pressure of people thinking it's going to be one way, and then it doesn't happen the way you thought it was going to be. And that's kind of what's happening in our story. You see, John had been heralding the coming of Jesus. He had been saying, you know, here comes the one. Here comes the Messiah. Here comes the one. And he had talked about these things. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will separate the wheat from the chaff. The chaff he will throw into the unquenchable fire. And then he hears what Jesus is doing. And he's like, what? None of the stuff that I thought he was going to do, he's doing. And so he's in prison. 
You know, this isn't a Messiah who has come to bring glory to the people of Israel, to restore the nation, to overthrow the Roman Empire. He's going fishing. It's like, what's going on? And so even John the Baptist is thrown by the fact that the reality of what Jesus is doing is very different from his expectations. And so finally, he just throws up his hands and sends word using his disciples, because he's in prison, so he has to send other people to go for him, to go to Jesus and say, are you the guy? <laughs> I've been saying the guy was coming, and I really thought it was you, but I'm, I'm, I'm really not sure. This is so wonderfully human this is not what i saw this is not what i thought it was going to be and in fact what's kind of interesting is, is when he says are we to wait for another one of the artifacts of of english versus greek is that english just has one word for another okay and in greek there are two different words for another and and one word is this word alos which means another of the same kind and this word heteros, which means another of a different kind. So like in English, you have to infer, which it is. Like recently, I was, I was just having a conversation with a friend about this bewildering array of soda flavors that are now available. You know, and, and instead of just like Coke and Sprite, they've got all these flavor combinations, you know, strawberry, raspberry sodas, and all this kind of stuff. And so it would be like, if you give me one, there's a whole array of sodas, and you've got them, and you say you want to try one. If you give me one, and I take one sip, and I put it down, and I say, may I have, a, may I have another, you would infer that I mean I want another of a different flavor that I didn't like that. If I take the one and chug it down and put it down and say, may I have another, you infer that what I mean is another of the, of the same flavor because I liked it so much. But you have to infer that from context. All right? Greek's got two different words. And the word that John used here was heteros. It's are we to wait for another of a different kind? <laughs> okay? You are clearly the wrong messiah. You are the wrong kind of Messiah. You are not the Messiah that I was expecting to see. So am I supposed to be waiting for like this different Messiah? This Messiah who's going to do all the things that I was expecting the Messiah to do? And Jesus says, no. Jesus says, look, tell him this. Tell him what you hear and see me doing. Think about what you're actually seeing happening. All right? And it's something that's really important because what has happened to John and it happens to us is that it can be really hard to see what you're not expecting to see. All right. So what happens is that he's got this idea in his mind of what's going to happen and he's looking just for that. And when he doesn't see that, he thinks nothing is going on. But it's really hard to see what you're not expecting to see. And so often, this causes us to miss what God is doing in our lives. Because we go to God, we say to God, we want, God, we want this. I want this. You know? And, and we look for that. And then and when we don't get exactly that, we don't actually see what was happening. It's, it's like the kid who wants a certain toy from, from his or her parents at Christmas, and when they don't get that toy, it's as if they didn't get them anything at all. Because they were looking for the one thing. 
And we have to be careful to not look for God with such a narrow view that we can't see the activity of God when God is acting outside of the vision we were expecting. John was expecting this Messiah of power. God was expect, uh, John was expecting a Messiah who would come and restore the nation and overthrow the Roman Empire and do all these things that John thought the Messiah was supposed to do. And instead what happens is that Jesus says, no, 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 no. But look at this. Look at what is happening. I come and the blind are receiving their sight. The lame are walking. The lepers are healed. The deaf can hear. Dead are raised. And there is good news for the poor. And when you think about these things, what's really important is that you understand that these are the kinds of things that God is really interested in. God wants the blind to see. God wants the lame to walk. God wants the poor to have good news brought to them. And so he's saying, John, tell John the really important things are happening. Okay? The really important stuff is happening. That the stuff he was worried about is not the critical stuff. It's not the stuff that I was worried about. And I came to bring, uh, to usher in the coming of a kingdom in which the things that are really important to God are going to happen. See, it's, it's so common. It happens everywhere. It happens to me. I do it all the time. I, I mean, all the time I fall into the trap and I have to check myself because I fall into the trap of believing that what I want must be what God wants for me. You know, I, I, I do that all the time. I say, oh God, I want this, I want this, I want this. Right? And you know that that's not necessarily what's going to work best. Okay. We all know what the nutritional value is of a child's diet if we only give them what they want. <laughs> okay. We know in the same way what would happen. I know what would happen is if I had the power. I mean, it's like, all right, you have all those fables that, that say the same kind of thing, right? That if you had the power to give yourself everything you wanted, you would actually probably destroy yourself in the process. the power to give you what you want can only be rightly exercised by someone with the wisdom to know what it is that you should want. And we're rarely objective about the wisdom of wanting the things that we want. And so what we have to remember is that if we're going to look for the signs of God's activity in the world, we're looking for the signs of the activity of a, benev of a benevolent God who loves us and cares for us. And so we have to be willing to look for the signs of that activity outside of the narrow range of that which we want for ourselves and be willing to see that God might be delivering exactly what it is that we are supposed to have, the things that are truly in keeping with God's desire. See, 
God's activity is going to be consistent with God's desires for us, not ours. And so often, I mean, think about it. Just think about the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Who's really happy with that? (laughs) Who's really happy with that, right? We're all sitting there kind of saying, yeah, yeah, at a minimum, Lord, at a minimum. But really, I'd like a lot more. Okay. Jesus talking about the lilies of the field. You know, don't worry. Today's troubles are enough for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. God telling the Israelites, don't collect more manna than you need for today. Don't try to store it up. What do they do? They try to store it up. All right. God keeps telling us, want a little less. Want a little less. Focus on the essentials. And then you have some things that are truly wonderful in your life, like less stress. Let today's troubles be enough for today. Stop worrying about tomorrow. You're burdening yourself with all these thoughts and all these cares about tomorrow, and you need to just chill so you can enjoy your life today. And sometimes I think, you know, God has to hit me with a sledgehammer to get me to do that. But that's actually God's activity in my life, being consistent with God's desires for my life. And the result is not what I wanted, but it's beautiful, which is what would happen at all those weddings where almost at every single wedding something went wrong. At almost every single wedding, whether it was the limo going to the wrong place, the florist delivering the wrong flowers, a bridesmaid's hairdo becoming a bird's nest, you know, all those things that happen, all right? And then at the end of the day, it was beautiful. At the end of the day, it was a beautiful expression of love. At the end of the day, they might even look back on how it went and say, I'm glad it didn't go exactly according to plan. Those little missteps, the little things that went wrong, the little bit of scramble, all those things actually made the day more beautiful in the end. It tends to work that way. That we may not get what we want, but what God wants for us is is these Advent Christmas values of hope and joy and love and peace. And we end up getting that, even if that wasn't what we wanted. And when we get it and we get to see and we get to understand that that's a sign of God's activity in our lives, that gives us hope. Because every time we see that God is active, we have the hope of knowing that God will continue to be active. See, John's hopelessness in that prison cell was because he had stopped seeing that God was doing what he thought God was going to do. 
And so he starts to lose his hope. He starts to become hopeless because he's like, wait a second, I was expecting Messiah to come in and do all these things, and I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing the activity of God. And so he starts to lose his hope. But every time you see the activity of God, every time you see God moving, it gives you hope. And hope gives you patience. Hope gives you the ability to say, okay, maybe not now. Maybe not what I was looking for. But what I need is coming. But if you don't see it, if you only, only see God active when God is giving you exactly what you wanted, you'll miss so much more. You'll miss God's activity that's happening in ways you didn't expect. You'll miss the beauty of how God can be active in unexpected ways. And you'll miss the beauty of knowing that sometimes, even when it appears that things are going wrong, they're actually going right. They're actually going according to the way that's going to be best for us. Sometimes one of the ways to see it is to actually look backwards. The greatest clarity in my life is actually looking backwards, and that's where I draw a lot of my hope from. A lot of my hope in my life has come from after I go through a season and I look back at it, I look back and I say, you know, at no point in there was anything going the way I thought it was supposed to go, and yet somehow I've landed here. And all of that began to make sense. I can start to see where, where this thing that happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, has positioned me to be here. And I didn't understand why it was happening, and I may not have even liked that it was happening. But I'm really happy that it happened. And every time I look back and see with clarity that God had been active all the way along. It replenishes my hope for believing that even when I can't see it now, God's active. And the things I don't understand now are things that five years from now, ten years from now, I'll be able to look back at and say, I get it now. I understand. And that fills me with the hope that I need to continue to persevere. Even through times that are a little off-center from what I'd been hoping for. Being able to see that, being able to see that there's an end, to trust that there's an end that works, was a gift that John didn't even have. And it's the explanation for this little enigmatic thing that Jesus says at the end of this, when he extols John, but then he says, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. He says he's greater. He says, I mean, this feels like a contradiction, right? Among those born of women, which is all of us, all right, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What Jesus is alluding to is the fact that, yes, John's doubt, John's questioning is because he hasn't seen the end of the story. And in fact, he won't see the end of the story. 
he's executed in that prison. He doesn't get to see Jesus go to the cross and rise from the tomb three days later. Those of us who get to see the kingdom in this life, those of us who know how that story ends, get that extra great gift of knowing that yes, even when things look terrible, there's an end that is good. We have that tremendous blessing of seeing the fullness of God's plan having played out in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. We have that great blessing that every year when we get to Good Friday, we're supposed to try to feel the despair of Good Friday. We're supposed to try to feel the sadness of Good Friday. We're supposed to try to feel the pain of Christ on the cross. And yet we can never fully do it. We can never fully do it like the people felt it when Jesus was actually there on the cross. We can't because in the back of our mind we can't turn off the fact that we know that Easter is coming. So we always have that blessing, that extra blessing of knowing that no matter how much we want to enter that story of despair, we can't fully do it because that hope is still in the back of our minds that the resurrection will happen. So we have the blessing of having seen the fullness of God's plan carried forth in the life of Christ. Let that hope continue to infuse the way you see everything. And know that even when it's not going at all the way you thought it was going to go, there's still an end that God desires for you that is good. Amen.